When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is another player profile episode. Today, we're going to talk about Napoli's newest center back, Leo Ostegaard. Who knows, maybe by the time you hear this, he won't be our newest center back because Kim Min Jae seems to be very, very close to joining. Now, I'm joined by a guest to help me with this player profile. He is the host of La Lanterna, a spotlight in Italian football. He is also the president of the Genoa Club Toronto. Fabrizio Cardone, welcome to Fortunopoli. Well, thank you for having me here with you guys. Oh, it's a My pleasure honor. to have you on. It's I love having guests on, especially people who are fans of other clubs than Napoli. There's, you know, I talk to a lot of Napoli fans, and that's great. But it's always great to get the perspective of a completely different fan base. So I'm very happy to have you on. Now, like I said, we're going to talk about Leo Ostegard, who only spent about well, only half a season with Genoa, but I'm going to run through his sort of professional career leading up to that point in a moment but he hasn't really spent much time at any individual club so half a season is your opinion is going to be as good as anyone's as far as I'm concerned so before we get started let me just take a few minutes and and walk people through Ostegaard's career and how he ended up at Genoa so he has plenty of experience with the Norwegian national team at various different levels as he's sort of come through the ranks. I'm not going to focus too much on that. I'm going to focus more on his club career. He is a product of the FK Molde Youth Academy in Norway. He gradually worked his way up from the youth team to the reserve team Molde FK2, who play in the third division of Norwegian football, and then to the first team who play in the Norwegian top flight. 
He never actually featured for the first team. He was promoted in January of 2018, and in March, he was loaned to Viking Stravanger, still in the Elitesirian, where he made 13 appearances in all competitions. His loan ended in August of 2018, and shortly after that, he was sold to Brighton and Hove Albion in the English Premier League. But like with Molda, he never featured for Brighton's first team at all. In 2018-19, he played for their U23 team in the Premier League 2. And then every season after that, he was loaned to a different club. In 2019, he was loaned to FC St. Pauli in the Bundesliga 2. He made 29 appearances for St. Pauli. And though they typically lined up with a four-man backline, he did occasionally play in a back three there. The following season, he was loaned to Coventry in the English Championship. He made 39 appearances that season, which is the most he's played for a single club, and most of those appearances were from the first minute. If you're wondering how that's possible, the Championship has 24 teams, so the season is 46 matches long, which I think is a little bit ridiculous in my opinion. Now, uh, At Coventry, he played predominantly in a three-man back line, but occasionally in a back four. So he is capable of playing in either system, which I think is a, a little bit of a bonus. And you know, we'll talk about Genoa's constant change in a bit. So I, I think that might have been something that was attractive to Genoa. And you know, I'm surprised that Coventry didn't try to keep him, or maybe they did, you know, because he must have played well enough to start that regularly. But perhaps Brighton also realized that they had a talented player on their hands and they weren't willing to sell him, or maybe they weren't getting a big enough offer from Coventry. You could say that was the peak of his young career. He spent the first half of the 2021-22 season on loan at Stoke, also in the English Championship. He only made 13 appearances there. Two of them were in the FL Cup, and then he ultimately lost his starting role. That caused Brighton to recall Ostergaard, and then in January, he was loaned to Genoa. So like I said, that's a really long history for someone who's only 22 years old, and that's how he ended up at Genoa. Now, Fabrizio, perhaps you can give us the other side of the story. That is, what led Genoa to seek a transfer for Ostergaard from Brighton. Well, kudos, first of all, for the background that you gave to Ostergaard, which was like phenomenal, for, especially for a young player like that with that uh, amount of, of teams that he actually um, played for. Well, okay, I need to give you, first of all, a little bit of a background. There's a little bit of a rationale in order for me to answer that question. I, I apologize if it might take just a few seconds. That's Essentially, okay. I need to catch my breath after I just read for a while, so take your time. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, as I'm hoping and I'm guessing, most of Serie A fans know that uh, Genoa was sold by Preziosi and was bought over by a, a new company, basically, from the United States called 777 Partners. So bye-bye, Preziosi, finally for us anyways. But um, so a lot of hatred for... That's the sense I felt and, and I hear uh, for Genoa was not because, because in the past, Genoa was always like loved, essentially, for different reasons. Why? Because it was the oldest team and whatnot. But Preziosi in the last part of the years, like at least a three to four years, basically you always would see this Genoa surviving at the last game and surviving to the fourth last in order to stay afloat in Serie A. Anyways, so going back to the fact that it was sold over to 777 Partners, now, 
their project so it's a medium to actually not a medium it's a long-term project the purpose of why they bought out genoa and they are quote unquote following sort of not fully to the max the uh, red bull style so what does that mean is create some sort of a network behind there and create talents as we see that with red bull uh, leipzig we see that with different teams we see them also in the united states and i can't even think of which are the teams that never really followed red bull but i it's known to have like this type of network where it's funny how they use this terminology of pc trainers or laptop trainers where essentially the model that 777 partners has taken after buying Red Star Paris, after buying in Belgium, after buying Vasco de Gama in uh, Brazil, and first one was Genoa on the list. So it, it started to create its network. And what they do is, that's one of the first things when we, our first uh, general manager, first, I shouldn't say first because it sounds like we got so many, but the, the general manager called uh, Johan Spores, uh, which again, he does come as well from that background, looks a lot about statistics Hence, the quality of the, and you'll understand why I'm saying all this background, but essentially they have a whole bunch of technology. That's one of the first things that they claim when they first arrive at Genoa, that they are going to bring to Serie because this is quite something new. Obviously, Genoa then got relegated, but that's something that was passed on by our past owner that, you know, it's like harm, I guess. I don't know what it is. And unfortunately, it's with the new owners. Anyways, so yes, they are looking out for, for talent. And that's where Ostigard came into play. So the statistics showed, and I can't speak for how they reached out to him and whatnot, but essentially those qualities of the type of player and whatnot that showed that the guy had potential or the guys that they have brought into Genoa. In fact, if you look at all the six, I can think of six or seven players that they did purchase in January, made a huge impact to the quality, even though they're like super young. Mind you that uh, Ostegard himself, he came to Genoa that he was like only 21 years old, essentially. So you would think, well, 21, center back, it can be a discovery, which we did find uh, in the past different type of a uh, center backs with quality but it for people that see 21 years old from norway hmm, i don't know but he when he first arrived those qualities that uh, the management had discovered and found and searched for and fetched out therefore essentially they were all paid back and even if we never heard of vostigar even though he didn't play ever for brighton i think essentially brighton knew absolutely the quality, even though they never used him in their, perhaps it was based on their plans or whatnot. I can tell you that when, so Genoa only got him as a um, straight loan. So there was no right to buy back, no chance at all. And I know that by reading and listening to different interviews from Genoa's management and whatnot, it seemed like there was no way that Brighton wanted to put any type of clause there because they still wanted to have a potential. And that's why they, he was also loaned out to Genoa. And that has proven that Brighton was right. Genoa then tried back to go and, and purchase him and whatnot. But at the same time, I guess the cap that they put to, to what they wanted and the kid, and I'm saying kid meaning the, the player, 
obviously was attached to Genoa. You can see in different pictures that he had with Holland, where she gave him the Genoa jersey. That was funny to see that on, on the internet. So he was definitely attached to the team. However, obviously, do you want to, as a young player, after all these spells and different teams and whatnot, do you want to be going down to City B and whatnot? So perhaps also the desire from the player to say, okay, let me see what is out there first. And essentially, I think that's also what played the big role. I mean, I was looking at Genoa's squad and... I was alarmed at how many center backs played for Genoa last season. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, there were, at least from my perspective on the outside looking in, it seemed like three reasons that we can point to for why so many different center backs played. The first is obviously the managers, right? You started the season with Ballardini. He kind of flip-flopped between a 3-5-2 and a 4-2-3-1. So, you know, different formations means different personnel. He was sacked and replaced by Andrei Shevchenko. Sheva only lasted, what was it, 10 matches, I think? Nine games, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then Alexander Blesson took charge for the second half of the season. So not just the changes in systems, but just the changes in managers in general will lead to different personnel playing because they all see players and evaluate players differently. The second reason was Genoa's struggle to get results. And I hate to remind you of that, I swear. <laughs> not trying it's to rub okay. it in or anything, but... You know, when things are not working, that's another reason for managers to try different combinations of players and see what works, what doesn't work. Hopefully something sticks. And then the third reason was injuries, which was ridiculous with your defenders last season. I mean, Mattia Bani, Domenico Criscito, former Napoli player Nikola Maksimovic, Zinho Van Husden, all missed significant time, some of them with multiple different injuries over the course of the season. You know, and then you had players that, you know, were transferred out, Davide Biraski. So it seemed like Ostegard and Johan Vasquez, I think was another one of those young center backs that you alluded to, were brought in because of all of those reasons as well. But like we said, Ostegard played fairly consistently, especially compared to all the other options. Presumably that's because his performances were consistent as well, right? Actually, that's a good point that you brought that part into uh, what I haven't even told you yet. But essentially, yes, you are right. Definitely, he did prove himself almost from the get-go. If I remember well, there were two games that he played with Shevchenko, which did not necessarily show too much, but that was a team issue and not necessarily a player issue. Then Blessing came along, and with his super power mental connection that he had with the locker room that's where everything started and the thing that i will never forget is i think everybody will remember that image where ostegard is basically going to who, who was it um anyways the player from roma's uh, neck and it seemed like he was like strangling him and that essentially demonstrates or tells you the story of who Ostegard is. You tell him what he should be doing and he will do it. And what I mean by that is he takes, or at least he had that connection with Blessin to the point of he was his soldier and putting it into play with the passion for that game, even if it was, because he had also two red cards in, in those six months that he played with Genoa, which are quite a lot, but those were also very detrimental for the success or for 
not necessarily success because we know what happened at the end of the season, but at least for that specific given match. So what I'm trying to say with this is sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself. Why? Because of your role. Why? Because of what your mandate was. But you need to bring to the table, in this case, to the pitch, what has been asked by you. And Ostegard has always given it to the team. He definitely looks like a very imposing figure. He's not hes not a guy you want to necessarily... I mean, he seems like a, a sweet person off the pitch, but on the pitch, he's a guy that is very imposing. And that's certainly something you want in your center backs. Besides that, what other positive qualities did you recognize watching him play for that half a season? Well, you could see that no matter where you put him in the back, so sometimes he played, if I remember well, definitely center back, sometimes on on the right side and whatnot. He, even with his young age, reminded me a little bit of Romero, if you remember him before he was uh, sold off to Atalanta, and then we know his history now. But um, essentially reminds me of that ownership that he brought into the field even though he was so young, it felt like he was so experienced, like a lot of players like Akrishito, for example. Okay, not the same thing, obviously, because when you see Krishito on the field, there's talent there, there's technique uh, and, and, and so on, which may be Ostegar being a little bit younger, a little bit more rough around the edges, but the potential is there. I don't know. I felt like when he was on uh, in the lineup, there was... 100% confidence that when he was there, he would do his job. So confidence would be my biggest word I can say. Okay, that's good. In his first interview with when he joined Napoli at Dimaro, he was asked, do you prefer the left or the right? Still within the center, right? Center left or center right? And the same thing he said, you know, I could play on both sides. It doesn't really matter. And kind of like you've alluded to, he said, I'll do whatever the coach tells me to do. So exactly. he definitely has that kind of soldier personality. I found an article on a scouted football about Ostegard from September of 2020. So I'm curious to see how this aligns because this would have been obviously before he joined Genoa. This was right after his time at St. Pauli, and they highlighted some of his qualities. One of them they said was uh, positive qualities. That is one of them they said is his aerial dominance. Another was his defensive awareness. And then a third was his ability to play long balls to attackers. They said, you know, amongst players under the age of 23, he ranked top of the league in blocked shots per 90 at 1.1 and clearances per 90 at 4.7. And we talked about that sort of mean streak of his. He was cautioned eight times at St. Pauli, nine times at Coventry. And as you said, in his short time at Genoa, he had, in addition to two yellow cards, he had a double yellow in one match against Torino, I believe, and then a straight red against Roma. (laughs) So that can be both a positive and a negative. I mean, on the one hand, you like that aggressive style, but on the other hand, it could be a bit of a, a risk. He could be a bit of a liability if he gets sent off. And it certainly seems like Napoli are kind of intentionally targeting players with toughness or grinta and players with passion. I mean, prior to this season, Mario Rui was probably the only guy on the squad that you would actually go to war with. We signed Kvisha Varetskelia. He seems like he's a really hard worker. He's definitely not someone who's going to back down from a fight. I don't know if it's playing in Georgia or playing in Russia, even (laughs) that created that personality. Everyone I've spoken to about Matthias Oliveira says that he's a very aggressive player, a mean player even. 
Kim Min Jae, who is supposedly, like I said, very close to joining Napoli, is supposed to be an absolute beast. I mean, the guy is just huge. And we all know how passionate Victor Osimhen is. In fact, there was a story going around about Victor Osimhen yesterday that involved Ostegard, but I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. So there definitely seems to be a pattern in terms of the players that Napoli are targeting. Now, as we've mentioned a few times, Ostegard is still very young. He's now only 22 years old, which suggests that he still has plenty to learn. From what you saw at Genoa, flipping the question, are there any areas for improvement that stood out to you? That sense of recklessness that he may show could be one of the... It's just, again, that's why I used and I chose the word sense. That's something that you definitely gain with time and and experience. The aerial type of um, ownership, as you mentioned before, absolutely true. The one goal that he did with Genoa was an aerial shot with his head. So he does show, again, that ownership of... It's almost like that sense of play or knowing what you need to do. I don't know even know how, how to describe it. It's just like those raw talents that if with the right manager, they can show the difference compared to other teams and, and, and other players because that talent is there. And, and for example... The difference with Shevchenko, even though it was only two matches versus with Blessin, the difference was immediate. So hopefully with the right coach and uh, at Napoli, I think he, in, in Napoli are, are very passionate fans, like similar to Genoa, a little bit different perhaps because we're all, all different. But I think, and I saw that with the goodbyes from the talent that is happening now with, with Napoli, but it's interesting how attached fans get to players that play for that jersey. So how we say in Italian, plays for La Maglia. So I think Ostegar is that type of player, and that will show that type of attachment, and it will make the fans just go all crazy for him. I think that's another thing that Napoli are intentionally doing, is they're targeting players that want to play for the shirt, and they're getting rid of players that don't. I mean, Juntoli has said a couple of times now in press conferences that if a player doesn't want to be here, then they can bring us offers and ciao, right? So I think that's a good thing. I think you want those players that are passionate. Again, going back to Victor Osiman, you know, there have been all these questions about a potential move to Bayern Munich. And and again, he, he addressed the media and told everyone, no, I love Napoli. I feel at home here. I want to play here. And maybe he's just saying what he needs to say because he knows he's not leaving this season. But I mean, the passion is definitely there. Going back to that scouted football report, they identified two areas of weakness. One was that he struggles to play out of pressure. So that's something we'll keep an eye on and I think he'll have to work on because Napoli do like to play out of the back. And then the other, I don't know if it's really that critical. It's that, you know, his defending, they said his defending when he's isolated on the wing, which I think is fairly common among center backs. I mean, obviously they're not going to be as mobile as wingers are and athletic center backs like Koulibaly, for example, are quite rare. So I, I don't think that one's too big of a concern. Last question before I let you go. As I mentioned at the top, Ostegard has been a fairly regular starter for most of the clubs he's played for, including while he was at Genoa. 
At Napoli, he'll be the fourth option. At best, he'll be the third option if he surpasses Juan Jesus, which could well happen. Do you think he will accept that role as a substitute player? Well, I think that part of the deal that he has with Napoli is knowing that, that he has to play to get the jersey. And I think... And I'm basing this, obviously, I'm only basing this on six months, so I can't really say too much based on his past because I'll be honest, and I nobody really knew who he was before he came in Serie But for what I've seen, for what I've seen, what he's shown in the pitch, whatever he did to gain that the right to, to start up, at, at least with Genoa, I think he has that potential. I think that's what he is going to do with Napoli. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the long run, he could become one of the new leaders in the back. I agree. I'm not particularly concerned about this. Even though he's often been a starter, he's also been a substitute. So, you know, like at Stoke, he lost that starting position. So he's been in that situation before. And I think it's safe to say this is the biggest club he's played for. And it's a club that will be playing in the Champions League and has played in the Champions League for the better part of the last decade. So I think he'll come in knowing that he's not going to be a starter right away. He's going to, as you said, he's going to have to earn that responsibility. But I think he'll also view this as a huge opportunity to learn. You talked about the importance of the coach. I think Luciano Spalletti is that type of coach that can teach him quite a bit, assuming he sticks around for a while. I think we're setting up for a situation where if Napoli finish outside of the top four, then both De Laurentiis would be justified in letting Spalletti go, and Spalletti would have an easy excuse, which is that you sold all my star players. So hopefully we don't get there. But yeah, I think Ostergaard will come in with an open mind. He'll be willing to learn. He will learn. And he'll have an opportunity to fight his way into the starting 11. It may not be this season, but it could be next season or the one after that. Before I let you go, I just want to make a quick comment on the quote-unquote incident involving Osegard that I mentioned earlier. It also involved Angisa during Sunday's, I think it was the afternoon training session. I don't know. You probably saw this one, Fabrizio, in the uh, the news. I don't know if you did. No, actually, I haven't. Okay. so My so apologies. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. So basically what happened was, I mean, I wouldn't expect you to be following Napoli's training sessions anyways. <laughs> you, like, most people, even Napoli fans don't really do that. But um, basically what happened was, it was initially misreported. Initially, the reports were that that Ostegard fouled Osimen and Osimen lost his mind and Spalletti threw him out of training. That wasn't quite true. It was true that Spalletti threw Osimen out of training, but actually what happened was Angisa fouled Ostegard, or Osimen thought so. This was during a scrimmage, so they played on. The blue team goes and scores. And Osiman is so competitive that he was furious that a foul was not called on Angisa because he was on the same team as Ostegard. And he just would not let it go. He kept on flailing his arms and talking and talking and talking. And then Spalletti came over and nipped it in the butt and said, go take a shower, calm down. So, you know, it was interesting. I think, you know, a lot of people were, were kind of misreporting what happened. The Italian papers, as we expected, they were going to jump all over this, I think. Gazzetta dello Sports put it on the front page in a small block and 
the only way they're putting Napoli on the front page is if it's something negative. Same with Tutto Sports. <laughs> In the end, it seemed like it was not really a big deal. Actually, there was another video that was right after that that the guys from the Napoli rant sent over to me. And, you know, you can see after that whole incident, Osman didn't go to the showers. He went and started signing autographs and was joking around with fans that were there. So, so he was not fine. a big deal. I think uh, Ngisa posted about it that they're all a family and, and everything's good. So for any of Napoli fans listening, if you're worried about what happened there, yes, Osman can have a bit of a temper. He could be a little bit hot-headed. Personally, I'll take that passion any day of the week as opposed to someone who just doesn't care. I mean, if you contrast that with someone like Andrea Petagna, who I actually do like Petagna, but you know, you watch him in training and he's just kind of walking around <laughs> and going through the motions. <laughs> he's, I think, halfway out the door anyways. So that is where I'll leave it. Fabrizio, unless you had any final thoughts, I think we could wrap it up there. Well, what I can say is obviously Genoa fans wanted Ostergaard so bad to remain because he, in those six months, definitely brought something, whatever he's shown, uh, not only to the players, not only to the game, but also to the ownership, as we said before, and to the dedication. So treat him well. <laughs> And I think between uh, the Campionato, between uh, Coppa Italia and, and the Champions League, he will definitely have his chances sooner rather than later or later rather than sooner. Now it's only up to him. I mean, he's 21. This is his chance to shine and, and to become a champion, which he has that, as we say in Italian, la stoffa. So he has that, uh, you know, that material in order for him to become one. I hope so. You mentioned Erling Holland. He also told us to take care of his boys. So I think Napoli <laughs> definitely gonna and and it, like I said, he's a scary dude. So we oh, better yeah. take care of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can find Fabrizio's podcast page on Twitter at La Lanterna Pod, and you can find the Genoa Club Toronto at Genoa CFC underscore Canada. By the way, I can't wait for this season of your podcast because. It's hard for me to find the time to watch SETI B. So I think that'll be a way for me to get some SETI B insight without, uh, you know, having to watch games. I, I can listen to podcasts because I'm on the road a lot. I'm all over the place. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. And and I know it's still relatively new, but you guys are doing a fantastic job with the podcast, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's actually, I'm just going to say one small thing. It's actually crazy the amount of teams, the quality teams that are in SETI B this year. Hence, a lot of people actually calling it Serie A 2, yeah. uh, based on the fact of, like, someone actually was saying there's going to be at least 10, 10 quality teams playing for promotion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, between the clubs that have been relegated over the past couple of seasons, we haven't had that many relegation clubs just bounce right back up to Serie A, you know, the Beneventos and, and so on. So you're going to have all these clubs that played in Serie A for the last couple of seasons. You have the ones that were competing for promotion. And, and it, last season was one of the most competitive Serie B seasons ever, probably. And then you got clubs coming up like, I mean, Bari, I don't think they're actually that good. But, you know, they're owned by De Laurenti, so I'll give them some kudos. But again, a club that has some history playing in the top flight. You've got Palermo, who now have big money behind them. So, yeah, I, I think I actually will watch a lot more Serie B this season than I have in the past because I, I think it's going to be really good. And, and I agree, Serie A Dua is definitely a, a more appropriate uh, way to describe the league. We probably Anyhow. needed that also because, you know, in the, in, in the UK where they have championship versus premier, they're both really followed very well. In Italy, Serie B was always like, you know, 
La Cenerentola, the league that was like very, very underestimated. And I'm hoping that it gets uh, uh, more, more and more and more competitive. So it just shows more and more culture. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too, and this is something that David Ferrini said, yeah, and said he'd be commentator pointed out on his show was that Lega Serie B actually does a better job of marketing the league than Serie A does. So, you know, hopefully those two can kind of work together and, and grow just the Italian football brand altogether. I don't have a whole ton of confidence in the Fiji Chi, but, you know, here's the yeah, whole thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Fortsanopoly Pod. I have a big announcement coming soon. I can't reveal it just yet, but keep an eye on our social media accounts over the next couple of days. I should be back with another episode later in the week to review our friendly against Adana Demispor. Hopefully, we'll have some Mercato news by then as well. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Sempre Forza Napoli. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.